Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast, brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com for the best prices for parts on your car or truck. Tonight's episode, Connor Jones and I look back at the Yankees-Nationals season opener that ended with a rain delay, 4-1 to one, the final score through basically it was six and I think one or two-thirds innings, um, but it was called due to weather, final score being 4-1 to one, Yankees win the opener, Nats fall. Connor and I have a whole lot of analysis. We recorded this actually a couple hours ago, right when the rain delay started. We didn't think it would get back going, so uh, we just recorded then and just gave our thoughts on what transpired. So hope you guys enjoy. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, see you later. The Nats have won it. Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals are the world champions! You are listening to the Locked On Nationals Podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Hello, everybody. Locked On Nationals Podcast. Josh Neighbors here. Joining me tonight, Connor Jones. Uh, It is 9.26 East Coast Standard Time as we sit. And as we sit, it is... Yankees four, Nationals one, rain delay at the top of the six. Connor, I saw a shot of the rain coming down, and they said 50 to 80 minutes on the ESPN broadcast, and I said, this game is not going to continue. This is something that you thought would probably not happen to. The rain is really coming down. Uh, this game is not getting finished as <laughs> we're talking. I mean, that's what, that's what we think, but if they're going to wait it out, then it, it might get finished. I don't know what else they'd keep waiting for if they look at the radar and, and see that you know, it's going to rain for a while and they're going to not call it and sit there and stick it out. So maybe it does get finished, but either way, the Nats are, are not in a great spot, um, you know, coming out, coming out of night one here, whether they play the remaining three plus innings or not. Yeah. The big story, I and mean, we'll, we'll get to some of this Yankees nationals, the actual game itself stuff. Cause obviously we're very excited about the season being back, but the real story for the Nats is off the field. Um, Juan Soto this afternoon test positive for coronavirus uh, right ahead of the opener. And this is according to um, Mike Rizzo. He, he told reporters this on Thursday afternoon. And um, Soto misses the opener tonight. They're going to test him. It's very unclear the timetable for his return. And obviously, number one, we hope he's okay. I mean, he seems to be okay. That is the number one thing. Now, obviously, this is kind of part of the hazard that we knew we would have in the 2020 season is that guys could test positive, even though no matter, no matter how many negative tests there are involved and they're going to miss time because that's just the nature of the beast right now. Yeah. I mean, I think people knew that knew this is going to happen. This is part of the season. I mean, I, it's nothing to, to freak out over in my opinion, you know, guys are going to test positive and you have to do 
as much as you can to mitigate the spread of it, which I think the MLB is, is trying to do as much as they possibly can. So if it turns out that he does have the virus and it wasn't a false positive, it will be interesting to see how those tests come back for the Nationals over the next couple of days to see, you know, were things working as far as making sure they don't get spread around the clubhouse. But, you know, as far as having that loss on the field, that's going to just – that's going to hurt tremendously for the Nats until they can get him back. Yeah, it's it's going to be a killer. And, I mean, the one part that I asked you about this earlier today, I was curious about the fact that David Martinez says he would not be uh, totally, you know, kind of satisfied and, and uh, he would be at ease until he heard back the results of people who had been in contact with Soto. And so my issue, I guess I could say, it definitely is an issue, yes, is that if we think there's any chance that Juan Soto has coronavirus, you know, I am concerned about those individuals who are in contact with him because, you know, obviously it's a positive test. It might not fit with the pattern of other tests he's had and also how he feels right now, but we should treat it like he does have coronavirus. And so uh, that is concerning. If he had it and he was in contact with other players and Dave Martinez says, I'm not at ease until I hear back on other tests. I mean, this is a really concerning situation in terms of how do you handle it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, they're doing everything they can. Though. Right, I, mean, I don't I think there's anything else you can do to handle this. It's just, it's the nature of the beast. And I think Martinez's point there is that he can't feel comfortable with where his roster's at, knowing he might lose more guys than just Juan Soto over the next couple of days. So right now he's down as his best player, his best hitter, and he sits around for two more days and he's going to wonder who else, who else may not have for an extended period of time. But obviously, everybody's health is the, the first most concern. But I think what Martinez is referring to there is, sure, they're down one guy, but we're going to figure out, you know, maybe what that, that one positive test, could that lead to, to more losses down the line? Yeah, and he said, you know, if any player it happened to, he'd be really concerned. He'd be upset about it because obviously, you know, Juan is a special case in terms of what he is as a player, but Davey cares about his entire roster. Um, yeah, and, and um, you know, there's nobody who is at fault here. There's nobody that is that is to blame. I just think it's a, it's a, one of those cases where, well, of course, on the last day before the season where everything was going well, this happens now. It's the worst possible time. It's the worst possible situation. And, and I feel bad for Juan, too, because, you know, let's not forget, Juan just sat in a, in a hotel room for two weeks after coming back to the United States, and he had to be quarantined. So Juan, you know, had a very limited amount of time where he was able to do things. And now he's, you know, back on the, I guess, the sideline, you could say. So for him, I can only imagine what he's feeling. I mean, the frustration must be pretty high. Yeah, he's got to be extremely frustrated. I mean, he's already been locked away once, quarantining after coming in contact with somebody that had it. And now he's, he's back doing the same thing again. As far as what it means on the field, the MLB extending the playoffs today – Um, or expanding them, I think is a huge break for the Nats over a lot of teams because they're a team that could be dangerous in October. But in a 60-game season, you don't want to miss Juan Soto for 10 games to start the year in a a sixth of the season. I mean, I don't – I think I I was expressing concerns to you on here about the lineup with Juan Soto, how it was going to start off at the beginning of the year with so many guys that were getting late starts in in summer camp based on not being – medically cleared to play so having more leeway there having to have put up less of a good record I think is something that could be beneficial for them down the line and could maybe make that loss of Juan Soto 
hurt a little bit less in the long term, even though it's going to be tough, tough here at the beginning. It is because we talked about this. This is the, I mean, when we break it up into quarters and when we looked at it, this, this first quarter for the Nationals, besides this Yankee series, this was the easiest stretch they were going to have. And, and if they miss Juan for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games of it, they're going to be in, or even more, they're going to be in some serious trouble because, you know, not just, I mean, they might win, they might, you know, go six and four in some of these games that we think they should win. But we think they can do better. And that's the big thing. And now, like you said today, this, this is the next piece of news we have to get into. Um, Rob Manfred, well, the league expands the playoffs. I thought it was funny, and Connor, I'm not sure if you caught this, is that right before the delay, Rob Manfred comes on the broadcast and is describing how the playoffs are expanding. Matt Vaskersian is not even clear about how the expansion was going to work. So we have some clarification on this now, right? I mean, this is – the way we're going is the top three the, – the, the three division winners, East, you know, AL East, NL East, uh, and then go so on and so forth with the other regions. Those winners make the playoffs. So do the second-place teams in those divisions. Then the two teams, the best record remaining out of everybody else, will make the playoffs, I guess you could say, as wild cards. They will be seeded one through eight based off of, I believe, their, the three top seeds being uh, division winners, the next three seeds being the second-place teams, and then the last two being the seven and eight seeds. One will play eight, and two will play seven, three will play six, four will play five. The three, it's, there, there will be three-game playoff series, all of which will take place at the home side for the higher seed. Did I miss anything there? Yeah, I think you got it. I, I did catch what you were referring to with Matt Vasquez and not even knowing. Because I, I think the initial thing that people were discussing was seven teams from each league and the first team getting a bye. But that's obviously now off the table, and they're going one more team and making it a three-game series. I mean, there's a that's just a, a unique thing to do. I mean, there's going to be a wide range of opinions there. In some ways, I think it's going to make things a lot more fun. In some ways, I think it's going to take a little bit of the drama out of the regular season when a lot of teams can are probably going to be able to coast into one of those spots. But, yeah, I mean, when, when you look at that, for a 60-game season, I will say I like it. You caught everything there as far as what that's going to be. If the Nats are able to get in and be one of those eight teams – no matter what their record is, that's not someone you want to draw with that rotation and the playoff experience that could come at you over three games. Tonight's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you are a pro athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you're like me right now and you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everybody needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the best support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your first purchase of superior CBD oil products from cbdmd.com. Yeah, and I'm trying to make sure I got this one thing correctly. I believe that if you win your division, you're going to be one of the top three 
seeds. I'm not sure if they're going to seed it where if a team is finished in second place, they can, they're able to get one of the top three seeds. I'm not positive. But uh, to my knowledge, it's the top the, the three division. I'm not even sure Rob Manfred really knows. So, I, you know, I think we're all <laughs> – I think we're all figuring that out kind of on the fly. Well, nobody knew because, I mean, Matt, Mas- Matt Maskersian's like, well, the one and two seeds get buys. And he's like, no, Matt, no, that's not how this works. Um, it, was, it was really, you know, if we take a step back and just think about the scene, it was, it was this weird scene where Rob Manfred is sitting there on – it looked like he was in Nats Park, I guess, right? Yes, Rob Manfred was there, um, and so and so the broadcast cracked, crew I believe he was cracked not the joke there. that he was lucky enough to get a ticket. So yeah, uh, <laughs> so so we have Matt Vasquez and A Rod not in the ballpark. We have Rob Manfred being interviewed in the bro- in the ballpark by the broadcasters, while you know an empty stadium, while there is lightning and thunder coming down behind him, and he is discussing the expanded playoff format to Matt Vasquez, who has no idea what's going on. If there is a two-minute span that encapsulates what is happening with the 2020 baseball season, I think we found it. If that wasn't the excitement that sports fans were dreaming of when they were <laughs> asking for sports to come back, I don't know what they were asking for because that was, that was fun stuff right there. I mean, you've got Max Scherzer having a tough day out on the mound. You've got the rain coming down, the lightning in the background. Everybody's favorite commissioner, Rob Manfred, describing this new playoff format that absolutely no one understands, not even the announcers. So it, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, a lot of different things to try and keep track of there, the weather, what was going on on the field, what the commissioner was saying, um, the ridiculous things that were coming out of A-Rod's mouth during that broadcast. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to focus on one single thing. There's a lot of takeaways kind of, even at, even at singular points of the game, we were kind of going over more than just the action on the field. So to the action on the field we go. Uh, I had Stacey Gatsulia of the Locked On Yankees podcast yesterday on the show to preview the series. And, um, I, you know, the one thing I thought coming in was it was the Yankees lineup. They, they got very lucky with this, with this break. I mean, we talked about the Nationals being a team that benefits from the, the break. The Yankees were able to get fully healthy. And um, it, it, it felt like the murderer's row that we thought we were going to see. Stanton, by the way, physically, uh, he's a first thing to look out. He looks tremendous. Like, it just, he's leaner. He looks, you know, and, and, and that pitch that Scherzer left over the plate start off the game, he abused that pitch. And uh, I was, uh, that was the first thing that stuck out, Connor. I know it's 4-1. We're still in the sixth here, technically. We think it's going to get, you know, cancel or whatever it is. But Stanton was, that was the first thing I thought. Yeah, Giancarlo, I mean, the Yankees players overall, they do look, A-Rod referred to it countless times, how much more fluid Giancarlo Stanton looks this year, which it's accurate. I mean, Stanton looked really good tonight, not even just with that home run swing, but also the fastball that he took on the outside corner and and threw into right field to drive in another run. So, I mean, that lineup will will get to you kind of from top to bottom. Even Gio Urshela, who had a really good year last year, he's hitting down in the eight hole and isn't an easy out at all. The – one thing with Max Scherzer's outing facing that lineup tonight, I, I think a lot of people, we may see a little bit of an overreaction to how he pitched. For me, the main thing that I would like to see fixed is attacking the bottom of the order. Walking Tyler Wade, I, I, I'm not sure I can give much insight on the best ways to get a lineup that good out consistently. I can say that walking Tyler Wade is not a successful strategy. That can't happen. I think that's the kind of thing that, that Scherzer would like to have back 
good hitters like John Carlos Stanton are going to beat you from time to time. But you don't want to walk leadoff hitters, whether it be Wade or Joe Urshela. Max did that a couple times tonight, and that makes things all the more difficult against such a good lineup. Yeah, what's interesting, and I tweeted this from the Lockdown Nationals account tonight, and this is something that I told you. I mean, I've been telling you this for, you know, maybe last year, and, you know, the accuracy of it, I'm not sure, and, and my dad made a good point tonight. After Scherzer, Scherzer's injury coming back last year, it does seem like he, the strikeout numbers are going to be there. I mean, he struck out five, 10, especially this year, 10 through five innings. You, he feels a bit more gettable than he has been in the past. You, he's he once again the strikeout numbers will are going to be there, but it just feels like more often than not you can it, with a good lineup you can get to Max a bit more. And obviously this comes with age, but I, I do think we're starting to see him kind of transition into that latter part of his career. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure I'm as far there yet as as you are. I will agree to the extent of over Max Scherzer's last six, seven starts, how many times have we really seen him go out there and dominate going back to last year's playoffs? I mean, we didn't see it in the Brewers wild card game. We didn't see it. Um, well, we did see it once against the Dodgers uh, with the season on the line in game four. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it again against St. Louis, but then the two world series starts where he really had to battle and grind to Max's credit even when he doesn't have it more times than not, he's going to battle and grind and keep you in the game against a guy like Garrett Cole more times than not, that's not going to be enough. So I think it's too early to make a determination there. I think he's still a really good pitcher for you. You can see he struck out, I believe it's 11 guys and in a little over five innings tonight, which shows you how tough he can still be. The, The line's so thin against a lineup like the Yankees where one pitch or two pitches can be the difference between saying, you know, he had a phenomenal outing tonight or, or is he starting to lose it a little bit? And that question is going to naturally come up with age, but. Well, I, I think, you know, we say, we say lose. I mean, obviously, you know, like losing it from where he was, uh, you know, he's. Correct. Yeah. I, I mean, Max Scherzer is, is going, is a hall of fame pitcher who has been uh, it, one of the rare occurrences where somebody is worth a 300 plus million dollar contract. Uh, over the over the long span, I mean, how I mean, you know, there's is there anybody out there who doesn't think Max is worth the contract? No. Yeah, I mean, in the one he signed was only two hundred fifteen, two hundred fifty, right? Something right like that at me, that yeah, time. Yeah. So absolutely worth it, even if he even if he doesn't put another quality start together for the rest of his career. Yes, and that and that is what I'm saying. You know, yes, even worth every penny. Yes. Do I do I believe that he is starting to show signs of decline from the pitcher that he once was the peak of his powers? Yes, and the way I believe it manifests itself is he does – it feels – and I'm not sure if the numbers completely bear this out, but against better competition, it feels like he might walk a few more guys, and it feels like he has to grind more against better competition than maybe he did in the past. And that is okay because he is, at this point in his career, it is totally acceptable to do that. Do I think that it's going to manifest itself a bit more over the course of the season? Yes, I do. I, I do believe this. And, you know, it's, that's kind of the interesting about it is where is he? You know, where, where is he in terms of, uh, you know, is he still the best pitcher on the staff? I think the, the answer this season is going to become a definite no. Now, obviously, the competition is very, very staunch, and Strasburg should overtake him with the contract he just got. But um, I think that answer is going to be definitive. And uh, how that is going to affect the Nationals – 
especially if there's no Juan Soto for his first two or three starts, could be very, very important. So I, I, think, I think his pitching, like you mentioned, it's something to look at because, like you said, against elite, in the last six, seven starts has been elite competition. Well, in, these, in this killer East, in this killer East region, a lot of his competition is going to be quality lineups. So I think it's something that we have to be cognizant of moving forward. Yeah, I, I think if you look at the Max Scherzer we saw tonight or the Max Scherzer we saw in the, the World Series against the Astros, I wonder how much of that, not specifically tonight, but in last year's postseason was just due to him suffering from some injuries that we haven't really seen him, him have before in his career. I think that may have impacted his performance a little bit, not to, not to make excuses for, for outings that are a little worse than what we expect from him, but I, I do think that had something to do with it. I want to see him a few more times this year before making really any, any judgments on where he's at in terms of comparison to Strasburg or DeGrom or anyone else in the league. It's a tough assignment out of the gate. The Yankees, especially when you have a lineup supporting you, that's, that's down a lot of guys that are, that are usually there. So, so we'll see what Max has going forward. I'm sure he's going to, I think the number one thing he's going to want to take away from tonight is going to be the walks, especially the walks to the leadoff hitters. Um, you know, watching him for so long and knowing how he thinks, I think that the home run to Stanton is going to bother him a lot less than the walk to Tyler Wade. Yeah, I agree. And that was one thing. I mean, the Yankees did a good job of, of making him get that pitch count up. Uh, that, that's one thing that I, uh, I, I thought was a, an impressive job from the Yankees early in the season against a guy of that caliber. And that was one thing I was curious about. I mean, the Yankees put up 17 runs in their first three summer camp games. And those guys put some really good professional bats together against Scherzer in tonight's opener. Um, and, and more to the opener, too. I mean, once again, a weird evening for that Nationals lineup, especially when you throw that wrench in earlier in the day with Soto. Turner, Eaton, Castro, Kendrick Thames, Suzuki, Cabrera, Andrew Stevenson, who, who uh, I mean, I know it's Matt. I know, I know it is against Garrett Cole, but damn, not a good evening for Mr. Andrew Stevenson. Um, and that is, I mean, I don't mean to, to call him out, in particular, but his his performance tonight did stand out a little bit to me. A guy who just wasn't prepared for this. I, I mean, at all. The re, I think Stevenson is someone where you just know that he's replacing Juan Soto. Right. So you compare him to one of the best hitters in the sport. So it makes it even more frustrating as a fan when he has poor at bats like that. But I mean, it's just that's the way it's going to be without Juan Soto. I, in my opinion, Michael A. Taylor's got to be in there somewhere. I don't I I'm not trying to question the World Series winning manager, but I do wonder why Michael A doesn't get some more opportunities from time to time. I kind of wondered that last year in the NLCS and in the World Series when when Robles was struggling in center field and Michael A had been performing well after Robles had gotten injured at the end of the Dodgers series. When Robles got healthy, uh they put him back in over Michael A and and tonight he was sitting again. I didn't think Robles' at bats were particularly great in the number nine hole either Uh, which you know you he need he's a guy that needs to make some strides in terms of professional at bats and not giving them away so so don't want to overreact at all to just a couple ABs or a couple innings from a pitcher but but those are kind of the the low points in a tough opening game for the Nats yeah it was it was difficult opening game and and to give you guys some more context here Garrett Cole five innings one hit, one earned run. It was a home run. 
in the uh, the bottom of the first to Adam Eaton. Um, great swing by him. Really good. I mean, you know, I mean excellent job. And he uh, just missed another one. He yeah, no, and then he hit one to the right missed. field to the wall in right field. So I I really love what I saw from Eaton in that two hole tonight. He was dialed in. You could tell he was ready. Uh, for he, he knew what he was going to see, and he looked like a guy who had seen Garrett Cole before. And I think that's the one thing that we should definitely consider and take heart in moving forward. If, if you're, you know, if you're cheering for the Nationals, is that that is what this roster brings is a bunch of veteran guys who have been around the block, who after not facing competitive pitching for a long time, a guy like Adam Eaton puts together two awesome at bats against the best pitcher in baseball right now. That's what you can expect moving forward, Connor. I really think, and not just from him, but from other guys in the roster, that's what you're going to see in spots where you, you, know, you might be a bit worried. Their professionalism and their experience is going to shine through. Definitely. I, I thought Adam Eaton's at-bats, like you were saying, were, were really good. He was dialed in. He was fouling off pitches just before that home run. Even without the home run, that was a good at-bat. I mean, he was, he was in there and fighting off some tough pitches from Cole. And – not just him, but guys like Kendrick and Eric Thames are going to give you similar at-bats, some, some veteran professional guys, and they're going to need those when you don't have the star power of Rendon or Soto or the power of Zimmerman. In your lineup, you're going to need those guys to help, to help pick, pick up the entirety of that, of that lineup that's lacking what we've seen before. For me, the, the most concerning thing is kind of the lack of depth at the bottom of the order right now when you lose Juan Soto with a lineup that doesn't have as much power and ways to generate quick runs as they could previously. So, so we'll see. I, I think getting Soto back as soon as possible is critical to get this offense going, but, but yes, Adam Eaton, definitely a bright spot tonight. All right. Sounds good, Connor. Always appreciate your time. Make sure you guys check into the locked on MLB podcast, as well as the locked on fantasy baseball podcast, all part of the locked on podcast network. One more thing before we get out of here today. This show was brought to you by rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for do-it-yourselfers and professional mechanics. Rockauto.com's prices are always the same for everybody, and they're usually low. Rockauto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging the prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Always low prices. All the parts you will ever need. rockauto.com.